Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. And yeah, welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. Good to have you with us today, the critical discussions in critical times. I'm your host, Bill Kelly. Good to be here today. Uh, the political landscape is uh, starting to get a little bit rugged, both Canada and the United States over the last little while. Uh, we don't think an election is imminent here on this side of the border, but one never knows with a minority government. Uh, south of the border, well, it's this is election year. Uh, this coming November, of course, uh, the Americans will pick a new president or maybe the same one again, once again. And there are some serious concerns about leadership uh, and age of leadership and uh, when is it time to step down? There's a very poignant piece that was written about this in the Globe and Mail just last week. It's called Canada's Liberals and American Democrats Need to Find the Courage to Stand Up to Their Leaders. The author is uh, Lawrence Martin. Lawrence, of course, is a uh, public affairs columnist uh, for the Globe and Mail, and he joins us here on the show to talk about this. Lawrence, great to talk with you again. Thanks so much for the time today. Good to see you, Bill. When we let's let's talk about uh, as you wrote about here the the front runners, the two people that are holding office right now, uh, Justin Trudeau, of course, on this side of the border, and uh, we'll get into some of the concerns and criticisms that he has been facing over the last little while. And Joe Biden on the other side, who uh, uh, is the incumbent president, uh, and uh, depending on which poll you read right now, he's either in trouble or it's going to be a 50-50 race, or there are some, as you mentioned in your piece, that are just saying, Joe, it's it's time to, to pack it in. Thanks for a great career. But uh, but the, the the line you used in the, in the title here the, that I think is, is kind of the theme through this whole thing, uh, there are rumblings that maybe neither one of these gentlemen should lead their party into the next election. But <laughs> how do you do something like that? That seems to be the conundrum. Do you speak out against this? Then you become a rebel. Um, you know, you've written many, many times about uh, past political leaders, John Cretchen. You wrote a couple of books about Mr. Cretchen. Uh, you have to rule with an iron fist if you're going to run a political party. Uh, so how does that translate into whether or not there's wiggle room uh, for dissension or for open debate as to whether or not this is the person you want to, to, to lead that party. Let's let's talk about uh, Mr. Biden first, then we'll get to this side of the border. Uh, where does he go and where do the Democrats go on this? Well, you know, you have to have somebody in the party who's got a courage to uh, to stand up with uh, against the tides. And it's, it's very difficult to stand up against a uh, incumbent president, of course. Um, and uh, so in the Democratic Party, in the primaries to date, there's been real no, no real challengers to Biden. It's just been a, a couple of people of basically no names who've got uh, no, no support. Um, in the meantime, you know, while this is happening and there, there's this uh, big move to uh, renominate Biden, uh, he's uh, lost support in the polls. He's made more embarrassing stumbles on account of his age. Um, more and more people in the party are thinking, you know, this is a mistake to have Joe run again, even though, you know, people say, and I agree that, that he's done a pretty good job given the circumstances mm -hmm. he's faced. Uh, they don't, the Democrats don't, uh, uh, don't want to boot him out for that. They just think that uh, his time has come that uh, running against Trump is uh, too risky and that the polls show that and that they do um, better, much better probably with a young uh, candidate and they have some good ones in their wings. But um, that's what the party would say now if they had a chance to vote uh, in secret, I think. They'd say, you know, goodbye, Joe. You know, 60% of them would, would probably uh, vote him out. Um, but they don't have that option now. 
And so we're down to a point where um, there might be internal pressure uh, to, you know, have Joe uh, step down, you know, between now and the convention. You know, party bigwigs could go to him privately and say, uh, Joe, you know, um, done a great job, but we need somebody else. And uh, we're going to make it known that uh, we would like you to leave. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but that's that's one possibility that could get him out of there. Lars, let me ask you a little bit about some of the backstory on this. Uh, you mentioned that I, I think there's a general consensus, especially in the in the Democratic Party, that Biden's actually done a pretty good job. I mean, he's faced challenges that uh, you could argue no other president has faced before. I mean, huge economic, uh, uh, you know, concerns and dropouts. I, I don't think anybody saw the the economic woes coming out of the pandemic that the Americans and the Canadians have had to deal with. You know, the economists, as you wrote about at the time, kept saying, look, when we get out of this pandemic things, the economy is just going to take off because people have got all this money they never spent. They're going to spend it and everything's going to be healthy. Well, the opposite happened. And Biden, uh, as we speak today, uh, toward the end of February, uh, has done a pretty decent job with some of the bills that he's passed. Uh, and, it, and that's been a challenge. Uh, but he's pulling the Americans out of there. How come he's not getting the credit for that? Yeah, that's the uh, amazing thing is that he's only had about 38% in the polls uh, as opposed to 53 or 55% who say uh, he has not performed satisfactorily. And so that's what Democrats are, think are looking at and, and, and so worried about because um, it's a um, something where he isn't getting the credit and why is that? I think it's a cost of living uh, um, problem, which Justin Trudeau has in Canada. People's mm -hmm. prices have gone up in the grocery stores, especially. And although these uh, the inflation rate has waned, uh, although food prices have started to come and not, not increased by so much, um, it hasn't registered in the polls yet. And all the Democrats are thinking, shaking their heads and saying, when is Joe, Joe going to get some credit for for this, um, my God, the unemployment rate is really so low in the United States. The inflation rate is really so low now. Wages are going up, um, and it isn't translating. And maybe it's just a, a time lag. Maybe it will by uh, by November. That's what people are hoping. That's what Joe's hoping. But polls have been so static. Part of the reason is that, uh, as you know, Bill, everybody is locked in in the United States. It's a uh, polarized political yeah. environment like we've never seen before. Um, you're either a Democrat or you're a Republican, and no matter what I, the other side does, you're going to stick to your position. There's very few votes in the middle left anymore. There's enough to sway an election, however, and that's why the elections have been so narrowly decided uh, in the past. But I think it's a case of, uh, A, he's not getting credit for an improved economy, and B, people are looking at him and it's not just the fact that Joe is 80 years old. I mean, I mean, he's 80 going on 90. He's a old 80, uh, wouldn't you say? I mean, even the way he walks, his gait, he looks like he's going to stumble. He takes these short mincing steps, you know, and um, and he makes these verbal gas, which are which are just atrocious. I mean, he, and in talking in talking about. Uh, um, who was he talking about? He was talking about the leader of France, Macron, and he said Mitterrand, and he was supposed to be talking about uh, seeing Mitterrand in France, and it translated to, uh, to Macron in France, sorry, it translated to Mitterrand in Germany. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was just uh, that was just one of the uh, 
gas that we've uh but if if and the, you're right i mean those things are you know they're right there in front of us we see those happening uh mind you if you look at some of the old news footage i mean biden's always tripped over his tongue from time to time now he says uh the the way he's walking right now is due to a knee injury and i, I did, that was reported a while ago so i don't know if that's the, the the entire story there or not but on the other side of the fence though lawrence uh you've got donald trump quite aside and i i <laughs> I hesitate to say, let's put the legal problems aside because that's pretty much defining him these days. But when he's on the podium, he's making just as many gaffes and just as many crazy statements. Uh, he gets a pass. Uh, the, the, the media, even the, the MSNBCs and, and the other media that, that would you think would be leaning more toward the center or to the left, uh, don't seem to get any traction in, in going after Trump for doing the exact same sort of thing. And let's face it, he is almost the same age, and, and he's been doing these sorts of things for the longest time. But those who love Trump don't seem to think that's a factor. Yes, uh, because they're uh, acclimatized to it. He's done it all the well, time in the past, and, and, and they're so used to it. It's not news anymore when he does it. Like he mixed up uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, yeah. recently. When he was talking about uh, his uh, his opponent in the Republican race, Nikki Haley, uh, and, he, and he mixed it up repeatedly, and it wasn't just one verbal slip up; like it was about seven times in the course of a speech, he uh, he said the wrong name. So you could talk about his uh, cognitive decline as well. However, he looks—I uh, mean, he looks about twenty years with all his orange makeup and hairdo and everything. Uh, and all the weight he's got on, he looks about 10 or 20 years younger than Joe. So that's a, uh, um, that's a point in his favor at all. You don't look at Trump and say, the guy's too old. You look at Joe and say, oh, the guy might be too old. Uh, if that were to happen, and I, I agree with you, I think, I think, you know, there's a 99% chance it's not going to happen. Uh, but that pressure from within uh, to have a, a legitimate challenger for uh, the Democratic nomination. Uh, the only one that I can think of of any note uh, was in the late 60s when Ted Kennedy challenged Lyndon Johnson. Uh, and, you know, and a, <laughs> with Chappaquiddick and a few other things happened that kind of took Kennedy out of the race. Uh, but it was the Vietnam War, basically, I guess, that, that Lyndon Johnson just said, I'm out of here. I can't take this anymore. Uh, I, I can't see Biden... Uh, bowing to whatever pressure there might be right now, because he's going to look at his numbers and say, "Look, at I'm we're 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 pulling the country out of here," and and that seems to be the consensus, isn't it, Lawrence? As you just stated, a lot of people are thinking, "Look, when push comes to shove in November, people are going to be in the, the in the, the ballot in in the voting booth and say, yeah, I you know he may not be my favorite, but you know we we are starting to get better.' And the other guys, uh, well, for any number of different reasons, convicted this, convicted that, etc." Uh, do you rely on that goodwill, or do you have to start seeing some positive polling numbers? Yeah, for, well, first of all, it was, uh, if you recall, Teddy Kennedy against uh, against uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, and uh, Teddy Kennedy's challenge uh, failed in uh, 1980. But before that, it was, uh, it was LBJ who voluntarily uh, stepped down in 1968 because... Um, he had uh, he had done fared poorly in the primaries before that, but the pressure wasn't enormous. He could have stayed around, but but didn't. Um, come the election time, which you men uh, mentioned, I I mean I still think uh, Biden will win. Um, I um, I don't think he will win if senility becomes a number one issue in the campaign. I, I hope it doesn't. I don't think it will. But I think uh, by election time. Um, 
all these legal uh, problems uh, of, of Trump are, are going to pile up and pile up and pile up so that you will get independent voters who are going to think twice about this guy and is going to think that and there could be a conviction. I don't think there's going to be a conviction before the election. If there is a conviction, it shows a lot of Republicans will desert him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing in Joe's favor. Another thing, of course, is the um, is the abortion vote. We saw in the, the midterms, the last midterms, when Biden and the Democrats were supposed to do poorly. They did very, very well because they got the vote out, uh, helped along by the uh, by the abortion issue. And so that's still going to work in their favor. Working in their favor also was the fact that they Democrats have got a ton of money in the bank, far more than the Republicans. And as you know, that's a big, big factor in the campaign. And and the other factor, of course, as we mentioned earlier, is uh, the economy is improving. It's uh, slated to continue to improve. And, you know, I'm, I'm, Voters are going to say, well, maybe it's not so bad and start giving Joe some credit. And uh, so uh, those are the reasons I, still, I, I think he still has a very good chance of winning. But I do think they'd have a better chance if they brought in somebody like Gavin Newsom, governor of California, or Gretchen Whitmer, I'm sorry, the, uh, the governor of Michigan. And um, and I think the party would would prefer that. But it's probably but if that were to happen. And again, we're playing what if here. I get that. Uh, what about Kamala Harris, who's the vice president right now? I mean, there's a, a kind of a, a, a right of ascension, isn't there? You were the VP, uh, not unlike Hubert Humphrey, you know, in, in, in the, the Johnson years, uh, that that's got to be the candidate of choice, unless, of course, there's something dramatically wrong. Uh, if, 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 and it's a big if right now, Biden were to say, okay, I'm going to step down, I'm, I'm not going to run again, uh, a lot of Democrats are going to think Kamala Harris has got to be the choice, but is she the choice? Would they be comfortable with her? Uh, no, um, her uh, approval ratings are worse than uh, Joe Biden's. Um, she has really not clicked as vice president at all. Uh, she's been put in charge of the southern border issue, and uh, that's a pretty impossible dossier, but she yeah. hasn't been able to do anything on that. Um, she, uh, her, her person, she just doesn't have personal appeal. If you recall in the, uh, in the last election, she ran in the primaries or was going to run in the primaries, was leading for a while, but didn't even make it to the first primary before, uh, her support disappeared so fast. Um, so, you know, you're right. I mean, she is well-placed, uh, if there's going to be somebody you might move in, uh, it, it would be her, but, uh, it would be very difficult for her to, uh, uh, to make that ascension given her lack of popularity. And and your points, well, I mean, Gavin Newsom, you know, he's the governor of California, a good-looking guy, uh, well-spoken, articulate, good sense of humor. Uh, you know, he's he's the court of the, that sort of JFK, uh, John Kerry sort of guy that's got that that charisma, and and he'd certainly be a natural choice for that. Uh, but again, as you say, I I I I can't see Biden stepping down unless there's going to be. Uh, you know, a, a health problem or something of that nature. So. Yeah, there could be a health problem come up. Uh, his. Uh... His wife could, you know, decide uh, who's been supporting him could decide, Joe, you know, it, it, it's not worth uh, going at that. He could plummet further in the polls, um, unforeseen events, uh, uh, which could cause him to say, oh, my God, I'm so low. I you know, no way I can win this thing. So uh, there are those possibilities, but uh, I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. And as, as you mentioned in the piece, uh, if he runs, he's probably going to win. But uh, it's it's probably going to be close. But so is the last one. All right. Let's let's. For a couple of minutes, talk about what's going on on this side of the border right now. Uh, there's always, as, as you've written about, I mean, you you were stationed in Washington for the longest time, covering U.S. politics. You've been to Moscow for a number of years. 
uh, in Canadian politics, of course, now you've seen it all, you know, the players in situations like this. And, and if there's one common thread, I guess, well, maybe not with Russian politics, but certainly Canadian and us politics, every politician has a best before date. Uh, has Justin Trudeau reached his? It would appear so. I mean, uh, he's in his ninth year. If you look at Canadian tradition over the last few decades, you know, um, uh, nine, ten years is enough. Uh, people, uh, people get fed up, even if you are doing a doing a good job. Or, um, and in his case, uh, it's difficult to argue he's doing a really good job. Um, and you know, at that point in time, you wonder, you know, the guy's had a, had his chance. He's had a shot. He's had you know almost a decade in power to do what he has to do. He wanted to do and. Uh, you know, then it's time you, sh uh, you should go, unless there's some really big challenge that you want to get done. And I don't see any any big uh, policy uh, item that uh, that Justin Trudeau is desperate to get done, unlike his father who wanted to repeat the Constitution and bring in the Bill of Rights, and he wanted to come back and do that. Uh, I don't see a big reason for Justin Trudeau uh, sticking around other than ego, other than the fact, well, people don't like me, I want to prove I can still win type of thing. But the feedback we have, and there's an interesting piece by uh, Tom Mulcair uh, that he wrote over the weekend uh, that basically talked about this, and he he's seemed to pretty much concur with your thoughts here that maybe it's it's time to move on, have that walk in the snow, which has now become a kind of a Canadian colloquialism when it comes to politics. Uh, but this is a, when this election happens, whether it's going to be this year or next. Uh, ever since he won the majority in 2015, people keep writing him off and say, you know, that's it. Canadians are fed up with this guy. He wins. Uh, it, by the slimmest of margins sometimes. Uh, but if there's one characteristic, I guess, that he has uh, adopted from his father, uh, it's that tenacity when it comes to campaigning and, and winning elections. Uh, and and just as uh, I we got the sense that Stephen Harper's hung around just because he thought, okay, I'm going to defeat this young whip, Justin Trudeau, and put him away, that didn't happen. Uh, I get the sense that Trudeau may look at Pierre Polyev across the island and says, I can't let the country go into this guy's hands. I've got to fight one more election. Um, yeah. It's almost personal, isn't it, when when you get to that point? Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, speaking of Pierre Trudeau, somebody once asked Justin uh, if there was uh, a characteristic you, in, uh, you inherited from your father, uh, what is it? And, uh, and Justin said, well, like my dad, I don't back down from a fight. And so um, I think that, that that tells you something with his attitude toward Kualiev. Uh, he is in a fight now. He is really down in the polls, and uh, he wants to fight back, get back in the ring, type of thing. And uh, he thinks he can uh, he can do it. Although, you know, I mean, he could be changing his mind as we speak. I mean, uh, the end of February when his father stepped down, that walk in the snow was forty years ago. Uh, yeah. Today, uh, leap year, and so it would be perfect symmetry if uh, Justin Trudeau stepped down a week from now. Wouldn't that be something, you know? And it's not beyond the realm of possibility. I, 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 I don't think that uh, um, if the polls continue the way they are, some of which put him almost twenty points behind, that he can possibly think of going into an election and, and winning it. Uh, if you recall, uh, Bill, uh, whether it was 30 years ago, Brian Mulroney, I think, desperately wanted to run again in 1993 for a third term after being uh, nine years in power or so. And But his numbers, he was down in the low 20s where Trudeau is now. His numbers were so bad, he 
He said he couldn't do it, and he passed the torch. Passed the torch with only a few months left before an election had to be called. And uh, that's a problem with uh, Justin Trudeau now. If he keeps waiting, uh, the successor, he'll have a convention in maybe the fall of this year. Um, then an election has to be called by uh, by, by next year, and uh, the new person has no chance to really uh, establish a, uh, a policy agenda or, or get going. Problem is, though, as, as you mentioned in the piece in the Globe and Mail, uh, the front runners, such as they are, are, are all part of Team Trudeau. They're the loyalists. Christian Freeland, probably at the head of that pack. Uh, Champagne, uh, Jolie, uh, others that have been mentioned, uh, maybe even his old buddy Dominic LeBlanc, although I think that's a, a bit of a stretch. Uh, but are they just tainted as part of the Trudeau brand? I mean, there is no person, I guess, in the liberal stable right now that you can say, well, they're different. Um, yeah, like yeah. like like just like Pierre Trudeau was during the Pearson government. You know, he was this young buck of a guy who was going to change everything and did in so many different ways. I, I don't see anybody there. I mean, Freeland obviously is is probably the front runner if that were to happen. Uh, but she was the deputy prime minister. She was the finance minister. Um, the 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 other parties could simply point to her and say she's part of the problem. I know that's an old political trick, but uh, is that going to stick on the wall? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because, um, as we say, in the U.S., there are some attractive candidates who could replace Biden. Uh, in Canada, not so many. Uh, Trudeau has uh, um, really not cultivated any successor, although on the um, on the uh, outside, there's the uh, the, the famous uh, bank governor, uh, Mark mm -hmm. Carney. Yeah. Now, he would be a real breath of fresh air. He's a man of international stature, a man of uh, erudition. Uh, with a big time reputation. So that's one person who could come in as a real new voice for the party. The others, as you say, are all uh, Trudeauites and, uh, and, and would bear his baggage. Although, you know, they wouldn't have the personal animosity level that, uh, that Justin Trudeau has. I mean, uh, the level of animosity toward him, he's talked to people on the street is just really, really, uh, intense. And, uh, you know, I think that's part of a problem uh, with any leader nowadays. You don't see any leader anywhere is really popular because I think this uh, new information age we're in with social media giving everybody uh, out there a platform and a, uh, and, and a way to attack the current leader. That's why we're so polarized these days, but it's just vicious. And, uh, you know, no matter what Trudeau does some days, he just gets it on the chin the next day. I mean, it's it's really, really vile. Uh, that point, though, that's that's an interesting observation. Uh, with the, you look at those, these the little numbers right now for Trudeau, how much of that is because they just don't like him? I mean, I know that, you know, Polyev and, and others, uh, you know, God knows they've got enough critics right now, especially, uh, you know, the, some of the, the columnists that have always kind of sat back are really going at him now because they see, you know, red meat there. Uh, and they're going after Trudeau for this, that, and the other thing and overspending during the pandemic. Although I've talked to an awful lot of people that said, you know what, that got me through the pandemic. Uh, my business is still here today because of that. Or, hey, you know, maybe maybe they went too far, but the idea was good and the concept was good. And, and Mulcair mentioned that in, in his piece last week as well, that uh, that 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 stuff is, is not what's going to do him in. It might just be personal uh, with him. And if that's the case, would another liberal leader be able to overcome that and simply say, yeah, that's the stuff you needed at the time? Uh, and, and hey, Mr. Polyev, what would you have done during the bad days of the pandemic? Would you have let those businesses close? Would you let people declare bankruptcy? Uh, would you, you know, th 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 there's going to be a battle there. Uh, but I don't know if, if 
Justin Trudeau was the guy to do it because they just don't seem to like him anymore. Yeah, there's just uh, the, the personal animosity is is really striking. His style, I think, uh, turns people off. Um, and uh, the whole Trudeau name, I mean, uh, Trudeau's have beaten up on the conservatives for about what, seven out of eight elections, him and his father. Um, and so the, the well of animosity is uh, is uh, tremendous. And he doesn't get, uh, he's done a lot of, He's made a lot of uh, big mistakes, but he has done some some good things. I mean, he uh, handled Trump fairly well. I mean, uh, that was very, very difficult. Uh, uh, but he got the, the trade agreement uh, brushed up and uh, managed to hold off Trump pretty well. He uh, got us through the pandemic compared to other countries. Uh, you know, we did a little better. Uh, so there's that. Um, the economy right now is not so bad as some people are making out, as we said with Biden uh, and the economic forecast for Canada next year is not so bad. So it's not as if the country, as uh, Mr. Poiliev argues, is broken. Um, the country, uh, when I go back over the years and look, uh, we've, had, we've had some far more difficult times like than we have now, like uh, in the early uh, 1990s when we had a, a huge recession, when we had the, the Bloc Québécois was our official opposition party, when we were mm -hmm. heading into a, a uh, national uh, referendum. I mean, uh, uh, compared to and when the West was up in arms with the Reform Party, I mean, uh, uh, compared to that, Canada is not doing so badly right now at all. Well, I, you shouldn't certainly remember when I bought my first house, although those many years ago, I was paying 21% interest rate. Um, so I, you know, I hear these people complaining now about five and a half or whatever it is. I say, Hey, chill out. Um, yeah. but it's all relative, I guess, isn't it? It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. I think 2024 is going to be a very pivotal year. Uh, Lawrence, always great to talk with you. Always great to read uh, your perspectives on the Globe and Mail. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Really do appreciate it. I appreciate it myself, Bill. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Take care. Lawrence Martin, of course, public affairs columnist for the Globe and Mail. And that's it for this edition of the Bill Kelly Podcast. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care. Bill Kelly Podcast brought to you by Wizens Law, personal injury lawyers. Listen, you didn't choose to get injured, but you can choose the right lawyer Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 or wizenslaw.com.